Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Jenna, first, good morning. Great to be with you, the queen of talk radio in America. The left does not want to honor our freedoms, and we have a responsibility to fight back. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. Fill that void with a vision that runs so deep that it dilutes the woke agenda. Well, thank you, Jenna. Right from the beginning, I knew you, so it's an honor to be with you. You're doing really well. Proud of you. Former legal counsel to President Trump. Ellis. Well, good morning and happy Friday and welcome to Jenna Ellis in the morning. And I'm really excited for this show uh, because we are going to take the whole show today to talk about truth in community, the definition of politics. Of course, we do this all the time in, in terms of analyzing the topics of the day and the news of the day and bringing the biblical worldview to the news of the day. But we also need to sometimes step back and actually talk about what is truth in civil society and how do we look at our current society as America. Um, For those who may be listening through our AFR app um, overseas and who are looking at America as the shining beacon of liberty and the city on the hill that we once were and I believe still can be, we have to ask ourselves this question as Americans, what does it mean to live as a Christian in our time? This is our day to fulfill the Great Commission, to go into the world and speak the truth of the gospel of Christ and win hearts and minds for the Lord. That ultimately is our purpose here is to know God and to worship him and to bring others into a saving knowledge of Christ. The The goal here is not to create the best, most prosperous society for ourselves and even for our kids. Now, do we want to be prosperous? Do we want to have an abundance of good things and take delight in those things? Absolutely. And God even ordained and established the world so that we can take pleasure in the good things, in the right things, in whatsoever is pure and lovely and righteous. Um, I, I've said before on this show, I mean, it was amazing to me when when I had COVID um, years ago and I lost my taste and smell for about a week. And it was like the worst thing that, that it was, it was just so bizarre to me, the worst thing was that I could no longer enjoy anything around me in terms of those two senses of the human body. And, um, and so, you know, eating became just this like, well, what does it matter, you know, what I eat because I can't taste anything, right? And, and if I go to bed tonight and there's a fire, I won't be able to smell the smoke. I mean, you know, there, there are some very practical things that our senses, of course, are used for. But then there's also delighting in how God has created the universe around us so that we can come to know him and we can delight in his goodness, in his beauty, and in the things that he has made for us to enjoy. And, you know, and part of this is we can we can taste good food. We can enjoy that and come to the table and um, surround ourselves with our families. And you know all of these things are good things, and we should enjoy them. But the ultimate purpose of life is not simply to amass a lot of you know pleasurable experiences and to focus so much on having happiness and delight that we end up not focusing on on God and not focusing on 
taking up our cross daily and being willing to sacrifice for the things of the Lord and to reorient our lives according to the truth. Now, our society in America was founded on this premise that we, the people, uh, we as individual human beings, have all of our rights that are endowed by God, our creator, and it's the government's sole purpose to preserve and protect those rights. But, but for what purpose do we exercise them? There has been a massive shift that I'm noticing, and I'm sure you are noticing, in conservatism at large. And I want to talk about this um, in the next segments with my guest, uh, Pastor John Amanchukwu, who I know a lot of you know and really enjoy. Um, he, he is just, he's profoundly preaching truth daily. And I have seen this, this kind of shift in the conservative mentality to focus on the individual and to prop up what I want as an individual instead of focusing on what God wants and understanding that the whole reason that I as an individual can exercise my first freedoms, the the freedom of speech, freedom of association, free exercise of religion, freedom of the press, the right to petition the government for redress, the right to keep and bear arms, um, the right to due process, all of these things that are preserved and enumerated in our Bill of Rights for our good and protection is not just so I can go out and live my best life and, you know, go me as an American. That's what a lot of conservatives would suggest, that um, and, and whether they do this unknowingly or just kind of borrowing from a godless form of conservatism, they're actually espousing the view that the individual is paramount. And we've even seen this with some conservatives that argue that we the people are the sovereign in our society and that we the people are in total control of government whatever we the people say then that ultimately is uh is the sovereign rather than the king or the government or the president or whomever is in control and i have pushed back on this narrative for years um, to say no 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 we the people are still under the very same God that our founders appealed to in the Declaration of Independence and who they called the supreme judge of the universe and appealed to for the rectitude of their intentions of splitting off and rebelling from the government that was oppressing them, infringing on their rights, they appealed to a higher divine authority. And they were right. This was not a rebellion that was born from an individualistic mindset of saying, I want and I want to be the king of my own universe and the sovereign of my own home and the get off my lawn kind of uh, mentality. It was born out of recognition that we the people are still under divine authority and we have a God-given inalienable right to freely worship him and to live out our lives according to the word of God, to go to church, to have our families, to educate our children, train them up in the way they should go so that when they are older, they will not depart from it. Governments that are oriented toward truth and understand this hierarchy of authority 
will preserve and protect the right of individuals to pursue God, to pursue truth, to know truth, to debate and discuss in public, in the public square, in the free marketplace of ideas, to explain the truth of God and to advocate for the things of truth. And not just in the society that says, well, anything goes and your truth, okay, you want to believe in God, fine. Me over here, I don't want to do that. And so you have to acknowledge and accept my truth as well. Well, no, that's actually a secular humanist model. We have to look at the biblical worldview of what truth actually is, because truth itself is a self-evident truth, right? Where God himself as an objective divine lawgiver has imposed truth upon our reality. That is what it means to be self-evident. If it was just my truth versus your truth and we can all debate any idea that we the people decide, okay, through um, through our legislative system or through majority will vote, we can change the moral bright lines of reality and of objective moral truth, then we're no longer recognizing that God himself is the sovereign. And we are allowing for a debate on reality itself. And that's not what our founders established in the Constitution. If the left wants to suggest that we can debate the moral contours of reality and self-evident truth, and that there is such a thing as transgenderism and the ability to mute one's actual gender biologically and physiology physiologically, then we are no longer living in the America that is under our U.S. Constitution and the mandate in the Declaration of Independence that recognized that God is our sovereign. We the people are not the sovereign. We can't point to those three words because those three words are derived from three other words. This unanimous declaration. And that declaration recognizes the self-evident truth that God gave each and every one of us as human beings made in his image our rights. And it's the sole purpose of government to preserve and protect our rights. So yes, we the people get to select and prefer those in leadership, but we the people cannot arbitrate our own reality. We can't get together and just through sheer uh, democratic will say we agree collectively that men can become women. We don't have that authority. And this is why we are a Christian nation, because we are founded on a truthful recognition of reality. We still have moral contours in society, and we have to. Every society has to have things that we prohibit, evil, and things that we protect, good. We have to establish guardrails in society. Otherwise, it's sheer and complete anarchy. If everyone was able to simply live out their truth, then it would be utter and total chaos. And that is what the left actually wants. They want simultaneously in their utopia, 
They want total authoritarian control to compel the Christian to forcibly inject himself with a vaccine, to bake the cake, to make the website, to stop speaking about God, to to never have uh, pastors or Christian counselors have you know so-called conversion therapy. We have to stop all of that, and we have to come under total control of these petty tyrants simultaneously with all of the leftists being able to live out their truth and then and they can do whatever they want because they are the preferred citizens of these petty tyrants so it, so it's a, it's a total and complete chaotic view of reality and that's the point the point is that they want to tear down the moral guardrails. And we cannot, as Christians, go along with that mentality and say, well, just because I don't want the government telling me what to do and having rules that will bind my life, then I just need to be like, well, whatever an individual wants to do in the privacy of his or her own home or, you know, his that's becoming a her zone home, well, that's fine because government shouldn't tell me what to do. That is, I would submit a wrong biblical view of what government is designed for as an institution. Government absolutely should should and can establish proper moral guidelines. Now, is there a danger that the government will then infringe and go too far or impose bad laws? Of course. That's why our founders had checks and balances, limited government, having we the people select and prefer hopefully Christians as our leaders. That's why the government has to be restrained and be controlled because it can go off the rails so quickly. But what we can't do is suggest that government doesn't have a proper place of imposing moral guidelines in order to make sure that we don't have harm like gender transitions on toddlers, like hormone therapy for teenagers, like men who are in women's bathrooms or men who go into women's prisons and commit these other atrocities and assaults. We have to have moral guidelines. The law is inherently moral. Anything that we prohibit in society is a commentary on what we collectively believe is the moral truth of society. So as Christians, we have to, have to, have to understand that government has a role of advocating for moral truth and we cannot diminish the authority that God himself gives to government as an institution in civil society any more than we diminish the church or the family. So we'll be right back with more with my good friend, John Amanchukwu. And also it is Friday and next week, my good friend, Alex McFarland, who I know all of you love, is going to fill in for me all next week because I'm going to spend some time with my family and I'm so excited for that. So um, please uh, continue to listen to him. You can reach us at Jenna at AFR.net to uh, encourage him. And I'm so grateful for him so that I can spend some time with my family. So we'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Welcome back. And so I want to bring on uh, my guest for this wonderful Friday, who is John Amanchukwu. You probably remember him from a brilliant 
uh, discussion and I think just rant in front of um, a local school board talking about uh, truth in education and the biblical worldview. He is also a pastor, and um, I've absolutely loved getting to know him. And um, John, I wanted to focus the conversation today kind of generally about speaking truth in culture and how we have gotten so far off track that the left is actually suggesting that we have debatable conversations around truth, like um, things like transgenderism, that men can become women and gender is fluid, and that so far as hospitals actually transing children. And this is, I think, one of the most important topics in our culture today, because to me, if we even engage a debate and and try to say, okay, here's why men can't become women, women can't become men, then we're putting this up as if a rational person would say that this is even an arguable conversation. So, I mean, where do we even go as a society when there are people who are arguing that, you know, the sky is not blue, the grass is not green, we can't empirically understand reality anymore? Well, you know, the scriptures tell us that in Psalm 14, verse 1, that the fool that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. And so first and foremost, we're dealing with people who want to be God, they're rejecting God, and they're denying the truth of God's Word. And sadly, many people in the church are even taking these positions as well, and that's where things kind of get us on a slippery slope. You know, also... Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 tells us, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. I mean, it's simple. We all know, you know, we've known this for thousands of years, that a man can't be a woman and a woman can't be a man. Just because a man puts on lipstick and high heel shoes, a red dress, and all of the cosmetic things that women wear, that doesn't make that person a woman. You need to have the DNA of a woman. You have to have a, a uterus and some ovaries to be a woman. The Bible also tells us that the glory of the man is the woman. And today we see where men want to be the glory, you know, and they're robbing women of their, uh, their right and privilege to be who they are. And I believe that if, if there's anyone that should be standing up and speaking boldly about this issue, of course it should be the church, but in particular men. Men yes. have been silenced and neutered in the co- in the culture by feminists. We've been chewed up and spat out, and many men don't want to speak up. And so many of them are also in a tough position because if you speak out and if you're blunt or what people may call brash, they call that toxic masculinity. If you are silent, if you're quiet, you don't say much, then they may call you a beta. So a man is in a position where he's on this pendulum of going from left to right, of what should I do and what what, I, what shouldn't I do. But I think that men should regain their voice and be assertive and begin to speak up about these issues and begin to push back. And we all must understand that we are one nation under God. We are not a nation of little gods, but we are a nation that should be subservient to the God of the Bible. Mm, so well said, uh, John Amanchukwu. And 
That is the original sin, right? Is that man says, I can determine to arbitrate my own reality. I want to be like God. And we are seeing that the original sin was rejecting the authority structure that God himself ordained. And that's what we're seeing today with all of this gender transition nonsense and the LGBTQ agenda is that we are trying to be like God and determine for ourselves, you know what, God might have made me in the body of a woman, but I reject that. I reject that reality, that authority structure. And we have seen that over the last, um, especially 50, 60 years or so, with the rise of the sexual revolution, the feminist movement, uh, a lot of these things that unfortunately even men and women who are Christians have bought into with this whole egalitarian view that is not the complementary view of marriage. And, And of course, I'm not suggesting that women need to be doormats and that the man, you know, is is the patriarchal master of the home and that, you know, the woman has no voice or but but I but I feel like the the advocates for feminism are suggesting that it's a binary option, that you only have the option as a woman to be a total doormat with no voice, or you have to be this uber feminist that actively hates men, that treats them like betas because, you know, yay, strong women. And there's actually the middle ground, which is the biblical worldview, that all human beings are made in the image of God, have inherent dignity and worth, We just, as men and women, have different roles in the church, in the family, and in bringing truth to civil society. And and how can we get the church to embrace the authority structure of God again and actually exercise church discipline, actually promote the family and speak these biblical truths? Well, it all goes back to going back to the Bible, you know. Um, a, a preacher, first and foremost, and the pastor, you know, their focus should not simply be motivation, being a, being a motivational speaker, or even um, trying to be a life coach or anything like that. They're called to be a shepherd. You know, they're called to be a watchman. The Old Testament talks about um, God's watchmen and that they were blind and that they were dumb dogs that would not bark. And so they're blind, which is a terrible, a terrible characteristic trait of a person whose job is to watch. You know, in biblical times, the watchman would get into the watchtower, and his role was supposed to be to look out from the watchtower and discern what's coming over the horizon. Even so that if he were to see a dust cloud forming over the horizon, that would tell the watchman, that trouble is coming, or maybe an army is coming, and they're riding chariots and horses, and so we need to prepare because sooner or later someone's going to shoot an arrow into our camp. But today, many of our watchmen, they're blind. They, and, and, and not so much that they can't see, they don't want to see. They don't want to address the major issues. They want to remain neutral. They don't want to ruffle any feathers. And consequently, they don't want to endure persecution. But the Bible tells us that, you know, anyone who seeks to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We all, at some point, for the sake of carrying our cross, now we don't 
have to get on the cross. Christ did that for us, but we do have to carry our cross, and we have to carry it daily. You can't carry it one day out of the week. No, this is a daily walk. These individuals must know that as a result of carrying your cross and standing for truth and righteousness, you will be pierced. You will be persecuted. You will be punctured. And the role of the church is not for us to sit in the seat of comfort and not to address issues as we see the reshaping and the redefining of sex and roles. The church should have a clear clarion call on what should be done and what God has said. And so the popular preacher is what drives many of our churches today. People are looking for likes. They're looking for shares. They, um, they're looking for building these franchise models of churches where you're one church with 50 locations. And no, you know, we, we, we do a simulcast to a screen. The main personality is just a nice guy going along to get along, you know, and only preach It's, it's the, the marketing model. Yeah, it's the it's the marketing model. And there's a great uh, YouTube video that uh, is called Church of Tears that I would highly recommend um, to anyone listening uh, that, that is talking about how intentionally this whole marketing model to treat church not as church, but as mm-hmm. a marketing consumer driven model has really infiltrated um, specifically the American church. And, and it's so um, it's so interesting, uh, John Amanchuko, as you were talking, even before you mentioned, you know, the, the taking up of the cross daily, I had actually opened my Bible to Matthew 16 and and saying when you mentioned that it's not the role of a pastor and of the church to be a motivational speaker and say, hey, let's go live our best life. And we need to uh, try to have the most comfortable life that we can. The role of the church is to follow Christ. And when Jesus said in Matthew 16, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And you know, this isn't suggesting that we all have to, you know, go out and never have fun anymore, never have joy, live in just you know constant self-flagellation or you know any of, the, of any of these things. But it's that our orientation as Christians should not be to simply have pleasure in the things of this world and comfort. And I think that the American dream and this whole model of focusing on individual rights has led to a rise of worship of self and saying, how can I best live my best life? And the church is reflecting that instead of understanding that the whole point of the American founding was to come under the authority of God. And so we have individual rights because God created us as human beings to worship him and to be able to best exercise our freedoms in the realm of church and community and family to ultimately point to Christ, to take up our cross and follow him. It's not so we can live the best corporate capitalism and all seek to be millionaires. There's nothing wrong with being a millionaire, but that shouldn't be our goal. Mm-hmm. That, that, right. that is so poignant. I mean, um, and, your, and your most salient point is that it sh- that should not be our goal. Our 
chief aim is that we're, 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 we're pressing and striving towards the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. And I think uh, one of the things that you also keyed in on, which is a major point as well, is that a lot of people are doing this for the wrong reasons, and they're doing it more so for gain, for self. Mm. You know, First um, Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. Money in and of itself is not evil, but when one's self-aim and self-ambition is to gain money and the world's riches, it then becomes evil. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So they sought Christ initially, but they've been driven away from the faith because they were seeking for money. Um, the, Old Te- uh, the New Testament also calls it filthy lucre or ill-gotten gain. They're not focusing on winning as many souls to Christ as possible and serving the needy and the orphan and serving the widow. The focus is enriching themselves. And as they enrich themselves, the church loses and um, the church begins to go into the wrong direction. And I appreciate also the pastors who are out there who are standing strong. Sometimes we can focus on the negative ones more than the positive ones, but we do have several pastors out there who are in that position where they have not bowed to bail. They haven't drunk the Kool-Aid of the culture. They haven't gone woke. I mean, there's so many woke churches today. I talk about it oftentimes where many people today are serving the false triune idol of diversity, inclusion, and equity. Mm. So many today are bowing to D-I-E, die. They're bowing to it, and it has even corrupted the aim and the focus of many of our local churches. Yeah, so well said. And it's, it is really discouraging to see that, you know, these, these churches, these mega churches that have this marketing mindset, and they have this capitalism view, instead of genuinely teaching the gospel are the ones that are more attractive. And so they're bigger, they're more popular, they have, you know, the water slides and the, you know, and whatever. But, um, but that ultimately shouldn't matter to us as Christians, if we understand the truth of the gospel of Christ. And we need to understand that we as Christians, whether it's in our church life, it's in our family life, it's in our individual life, and hopefully we're all members of families and churches in our communities, um, we need to be constantly self-evaluating and giving our life to the Lord and saying, Lord, what would you have for me to do in life and ministry? And for parents, you know, the number one ministry is for your kids. And in, in marriage, your number one ministry is to your spouse. I mean, the Bible calls us to this. And then we also, as Christians, individually, regardless of our circumstances, our number one mission is to fulfill the Great Commission to speak the truth of the gospel of Christ. And of course, you know, everyone has to make a living. We all, you know, not everyone can be a pastor full time and that's fine, but we all should be Christians full time. So we're going to continue talking about this more and also the effects of this whole warped rejection of biblical truth and authority. When we come back with John Amanchukwu, pastor from North Carolina, right here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. We'll be right back. 
Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Welcome back, and I'm talking with my good friend, John Amanchukwu, who is a pastor and one of my favorite people to listen to because he boldly speaks the truth in love and is encouraging Christians to seek first the kingdom of God in everything that we do. And John, I want to ask you as well in in this conversation about uh, North Carolina, where you are at, and how um, transgender toddlers are being treated at Duke, UNC, and other hospitals in the area as young as two, three, and four years old. I mean, this is this is evil on so many levels, and this is the product of a worldview that has completely rejected biblical truth. Where are the parents in this? Yeah, I, I think that we're going to look back after we support all of this transgenderism, when at the end of the day, that term, that word bothers me. It irks me, Jenna, because what is a transgender? What is it? I mean, how how do you appropriately define it? There's a war on words today. There's a a war on linguistics. People are redefining things in terms. There's really truly no such thing as a transgender because you cannot morph into another gender. But even with the asinine viewpoint of that word, um, parents in North Carolina need to speak up and speak up now. And and that's the same thing for many states around the country. But since I'm in North Carolina, it's it's become a hot button issue where we're beginning to see more and more child sex clinics, um, sex change clinics pop up. Um, You're right, at Duke, um, you can do a, a gender transition as early as two years of age. And at UNC Health, as early as three years of age. And at ECU Health, as early as four years of age. And this is criminal. It's demonic. It's evil. There isn't anything good out of in this. There's, there's nothing wholesome about it. I believe that um, many of these parents are committing child abuse, and we need to call child protective services to arrest these parents. And we need to arrest these doctors, these doctors who have now said, you know what? We found a new revenue stream. We can mutilate people and make money off of it. You know, we, we want to be uber capitalists. We're going to take a healthy uh, child's um, penis or a, a healthy young girl's breast, and we're going to Cut it off, and we're going to claim that we're doing this for good reasons and good purposes. And then we're going to make them a lifetime customer because we're going to sell the woman testosterone, and we're going to sell the man estrogen. You know, that's just just evil. And I, I really think that more people need to open up what's going on around us with this particular issue, which by and large, um, much of these things became more prominent and popular under the leadership of Barack Hussein Obama, the person who re- sought to redefine marriage, decorated the White House in rainbow colors. From there, we just saw an onslaught of just this demonic, uh, vile, and corrupt policies being passed, even with the BLM movement, who raised nearly $80 million, but a a large portion 
of that money went towards supporting trans organizations. And so when you follow the money and you follow the heart, we know that we're going in the wrong direction. Yes, and that is such a great point, John Amanchukwu, that this is the result of a focus on hyper-capitalism, right? This whole consumer mentality. We talked in the previous segment about you know, the marketing mentality of the church. But this is where if, if the government exists as an institution simply to arbitrate contract disputes or to be as minimal and as limited as possible, which is the, um, the capital L libertarianism that, that is apart from God and you know different people libertarianism means different things to them but if but, but but this is really you know the far far right spectrum that gets into total anarchy is that anyone can do whatever it is that they see fit they can do whatever is right in their own eyes um, like what uh, you know many of the the Old Testament um, nations did whatever's right in their own eyes, then if we are simply a staunch capitalist society without any of the moral guardrails, then there's nothing objectively wrong, according to these people, with this type of consumerism related to big pharmaceuticals and creating and generating more patients because we're simply fulfilling the wishes of parents who want to impose this on their children as young as two and three. I mean, we start to see how this, something that is good, which is capitalism, can be perverted if unmoored and untethered from the contours of a biblical worldview. And this is why I think one of the most dangerous things to so-called conservatism right now is this hyper focus on just capitalism the individual and suggesting that we all need to be you know i don't care how you live just government don't come onto my lawn we can't have that mentality as christians because that we are buying into then this mentality that anyone can do whatever they want, even if it is objectively morally wrong. And this is why God created the institution of government for our good to continue to impose these these moral contours. And you know, Micah 6, 8 says, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. God ordained the institution of government in Romans 13 to carry the sword, to promote uh, good and to restrain evil. And and we have somehow as conservatives and even as Christians lost this understanding of why government as an institution is ordained by God for our good. So how, how do we as conservatives combat this super, super far right mentality that I just see, you know, really advocating ultimately for what the left is doing? Well, you know, I was at an event about a week and a half ago, and I spoke, and we were raising funds for this organization Organization that does great work in fighting for the, the lives of the unborn, and fighting for limited government, and fighting on behalf of children and education. And I said something, you know, I told them that I'm, I'm a fiscal conservative up to a point. And by that, I mean this. Of course, I agree with having a a balanced budget. Of course, I believe in the free market and what it brings, and um, capitalism is the most uh, viable economic structure for upward mobility. Everyone is empowered. It creates comp- competition, and so capitalism is the way to go. You know, I'm for reducing inflation and all of those things. 
what I'm starting to see is there are more people who are focused on being a fiscal conservative. And when it comes to the social issues, they're willing to sweep that under the rug so that it doesn't get in the way of finances and income and bringing in more revenue. You know, I'm a fiscal conservative. I'll say it again. I'll say it again up to a point. You know, I, I, there has to be a point where we say, okay, yeah, forget forget the money. We're not in this for revenue. We're in this just for common sense. And I think that's where many people are today. They're putting the money over the ethics, and that puts us on a slippery slope as well. You know, in Romans chapter 1, Paul does a great job of helping us gain context on where we are today. Um, he talks about, in Romans chapter 1, verse 28, he said, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, and to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness. So once you're turned over to a reprobate mind, once God turns you over to yourself, which is a terrible place to be in, you will now be filled with all unrighteousness. He goes on to say fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God. Okay, we see that a lot of my culture today. Man hates God. God made you a man, and so you hate God for that because you want to be a woman. You know, God made you a woman, and now you want to be a man, and so now you hate God. We see it in the culture. People have become haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, and here's the point I want to get to. Inventors of evil things, Jenna. This whole Mm -hmm. chemical castration and mutilating movement. That's an invention of of an evil thing. It's an evil invention. I need people to see that. Hear me. Listen to me, audience. This is an evil thing that man has conjured up. It's an evil invention. And as we sit back and say nothing about it, you know what they're going to do? Continue to create more evil inventions. We must draw the line in the sand and bring bring common sense back to America. Mm, So, so well said. And that is an amazingly salient point that this is just an invention of evil. And I think that's the perfect way to describe the entire transgender agenda, because we know it is unmoored from reality. We know that it goes against self-evident truth. And so why are these people advocating for all of these non-reality ideas and ultimate harms that affect not only themselves but children and you're right it's because it is an invention of evil and we are told in scripture i mean there's nothing new under the sun this is just one invention of evil and if it's not this it will be something else and this is why we have to as christians draw the line and say, no, we will not stand for any of these evil inventions or these perversions of what is good, perfect, holy, pure, and just. And this is where these terms, love and justice, have gotten so perverted in our culture. When we're talking about social justice or we're talking about love means accepting and affirming anyone's lifestyle. No, we have to be solidly, let them call us haters. I get called all kinds of names every day and I don't even care because they're false. 
And I know that my identity is not in my political party. It's not in a political candidate. It's not in myself. It's not in my feelings. It's not in whatever somebody on Twitter says about me. My identity is in Christ alone. And when I know that I'm speaking the truth of God, he is faithful and just not only to forgive me of my sins, but also to cover me. The eternal God shelters you underneath the, his everlasting wings, as, as the psalmist says. And I love that beautiful psalm. And so, you know, for, for people listening to this, I, I just, I know that there are some that are listening to this saying, I get this, I agree, I am just concerned about getting hated, about the backlash, about confronting my pastor, perhaps, about, you know, confronting um, a family member who's living in sin. As a pastor, I mean, we are just, we're going to see the effects of this broken world and the whole transgender agenda that is being perpetuated on these kids when they grow up and realize what has been done to them. How can the church even start to be equipped with the tools to deal with with all of this? And what would you encourage uh, Christians now to do to, to get courage to confront this in our society? Well, we all must understand that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And they that be with us are more than they that be with them. We are on the winning side. We know that the book says we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We are not uh, waiting on victory. We already have it. Whereas Christ, Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of the Father, waiting until his enemies be made his footstool. And he's also interceding on our behalf until we can turn to our elder brother, Jesus Christ. We can turn to him, our God, our Lord and Savior, who is the one who, is, who defends us. He's our judge and lawyer. He is the one that presents us faultless to God the Father. And so we can take courage in this, that we will not put anything forward in this life that God will not directly recompense us for. Our stripes, our burdens, the hardship and anguish down here, God has a reward for us all. God will greatly reward us. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Yes, every now and then a Christian must do a pro and con list as we fight this good fight of faith. But you will always see that regardless of all of the cons, the negatives, the things that we have to endure, the pro is always going to be that at the end of all of this, we will meet Christ Jesus in the sky and we will have heaven to gain. We must keep heaven in view. And that will be the thing that encourages as we stay up. Amen and amen. Uh, Pastor John Amanchuku, you can follow him on social media at Rev Wu Truth. I follow him. You can follow him and hear more truth. And remember 
that Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We need to be continuing to deny ourselves. And in him, there is life, there is goodness, there is joy, there is fulfillment, but only if we choose to follow him instead of ourselves. So have a great weekend. Go and walk in that truth. Next week, I will be on vacation with my family. So Alex McFarland will join you next week.